It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported three new COVID cases over the weekend, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. The city's seven-day case rate now stands at six, up from four last week, transitioning Sitka's COVID alert level back up to substantial. Sitka will remain at a substantial alert level until less than five cases are reported in a week. Statewide, Alaska saw a 28 percent decrease in positive COVID cases since last week, despite reporting 311 new cases on Monday. Since the onset of the pandemic, Sitka has reported a total of 1,260 cases, 24 hospitalizations and five deaths. Yakutat reported two new active coronavirus cases on Monday, according to the Department of Public Safety. The first individual reported positive on Saturday was present at a volleyball game in the community the previous Tuesday. The second was reported Monday afternoon. According to Police Chief James Capra, these are some of the first cases the community has seen since recovering from a large spike last month. Had the spike from mid-September to mid-October, and I think in the past month, We've had one positive, and then these two pop up. The clinic just ran down, uh, for their own curiosity, how many cases we've had so far, and that's been 54 total. More than half of them came in that one big spike in September, which is our, our big tourism season, so that's maybe not a surprise. Capra says both cases were in symptomatic, vaccinated people from the same household who recently traveled out of town. Yakutat's Village Corporation has postponed its annual board election while it confers with its attorneys over what it says are false accusations over its logging operations. Yakutat Kwan Incorporated has been criticized by some tribal and city leaders who believe that the corporation's clear cuts threaten salmon streams and cultural sites. Yakutat Kwan denies this. The Village Corporation was created in the 1970s by the landmark Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act, or ANCSA, and granted more than 20,000 acres to benefit shareholders with ties to the traditional Yakutat village. Its annual meeting was planned for this Saturday. But in an unsigned November 12th letter to the corporation's few hundred shareholders, management says the election could be tainted by what it called unfair attacks being leveled against Yakutat Kwan. The CEO of Yak Timber, the logging subsidiary of the corporation, declined to comment. The shareholder meeting has been pushed back until January 8, 2022. Its last annual meeting was January 30, 2021. State law requires an ANCSA corporation to hold a shareholder meeting and re-elect its board of directors at least once a year. The U.S. Semi-Quincentennial Commission has asked Sitka for input on how to make the 250th anniversary of the United States more inclusive, and it may have come away with some good advice. America 250 is in the planning process of a multi-year celebration that will culminate on July 4, 2026. Created by Congress, the organization is reaching out to communities across the country for ideas that will allow every American to take pride in the country's diverse heritage. Nicole Molly is the Senior Manager for National Community Partnerships for America 250. She presented to the Sitka Chamber of Commerce last week. Sitka, I'm here because I am inspired to make this the most inclusive commemoration and celebrate that there is no single form of the American experience, but rather that we are a nation that celebrates the beauty of difference and finds unity across our diverse population. 
Molly appeared from Washington, D.C. with two of her colleagues who took turns outlining the specific goals of America 250. They wanted to hear from Sitkins about how to achieve them. Paul Kraft, Sitka campus director of the University of Alaska, said the community was already engaged in this work. I think Sitka is an amazing community, but it's not a it's not without its challenges, not without disagreements, not without different viewpoints. And sometimes the expression of those viewpoints is heated and uh, and loud and public. And so I think it's an opportunity, though, to to host those conversations leading up to it. Chamber Executive Director Rachel Roy explained how Sitka had begun a process of reconciliation. She said that a balancing was taking place and that a Hlingit morning ceremony was becoming an element of the community's traditional Alaska Day celebration and that it was beautiful and empowering. Roy thought Sitka could be a template for other parts of the country. I think Sitka's work could be used and as an example for other communities that are um, trying to figure out how to navigate and move forward with with those telling the other stories that aren't always um, kind of the front line or how we've always told the story, I guess, is the other piece of it. Roy's observation struck a chord with America 250's engagement coordinator, Maricela Dominguez, who said this was what America 250 was created for. What we're really looking for is just, as you mentioned, those histories that aren't usually talked about and that really, really need to be talked about. Those people that have done exceptional work and they, they need to be highlighted. They need to be put at the front line. And a lot of the times it's, you know, um, things that people don't even know about. There, there's articles that I've read and I'm like, oh, I would have I would have liked history a lot sooner if I read this. To connect with the America 250 Project, otherwise known as the U.S. Semi-Quincentennial Commission, look for a link on our website, kcaw.org. You can also find a link to the Sitka Chamber of Commerce Facebook page where you can listen to the full presentation. The next installment in the Sitka Chamber's Fall Speaker Series will be at noon this Wednesday, November 17th, and will feature the Sitka Community Land Trust. Online videos were buffering endlessly for many internet customers in Ketchikan on Sunday, as KRBD's Eric Stone reports, a mishap involving a rogue Canadian dump truck and a fiber optic cable, coupled with storms in British Columbia, have hampered Ketchikan's primary connection to the internet. The problems began after a Canadian dump truck reportedly plowed into a fiber optic cable Sunday night, damaging the 90-mile undersea link that feeds digital information into southern southeast Alaska. That slowed much of Ketchikan's internet access to a crawl as technicians worked through the night and into Monday afternoon to repair the damaged line. Ketchikan Public Utilities Telecom Manager Ed Cushing says alarms started ringing around 9 p.m. Sunday and technicians started troubleshooting alongside their Canadian counterparts. After an hour, hour and a half or so of process of elimination, the folks on the Prince Rupert end discovered that a dump truck, of all things, had torn down a fiber optic cable, an aerial fiber optic cable, which severed our connection to the world. The collision reportedly occurred on Digby Island, just two miles from Prince Rupert. Crews reportedly fixed the severed cable Monday afternoon, and that's the good news, Cushing says. The bad news is that approximately 11.30 last night, a portion of fiber optic cable in the uh, Okanagan Valley area of B.C. was wiped out by a landslide, which took out a portion of our uh, 
Canadian Providers Network. Cushing says floods and landslides have also taken out backup cables to southern B.C. Adding insult to injury, there are a number of network outages in the greater Vancouver area where all these various and sundry terrestrial fibers meet that have effectively brought most of the Internet service in northern B.C. to a grinding halt. As of Monday evening, Cushing says there aren't reliable estimates as to when service might be fully restored. Uh, the guesses we were hearing earlier today was were 24 hours, 48 hours. We just don't know. With KPU's main connection to the outside world cut off, traffic slowed to a crawl as the telecom company pushed traffic onto backup systems. Cushing says that means streaming video services like Hulu and HBO Max likely won't work for most customers. But not all streaming services have been affected. Cushing says Netflix should still work, thanks to a pair of servers at KPU's central office that host most of the provider's library. As of Monday evening, Cushing says KPU is working to expand the amount of traffic it can send on undersea cables that run directly from Alaska to Seattle. That would end the slowdown. In the meantime... Might be a good night to read an e-book or a regular book. The outage hasn't affected cellular data networks or GCI customers. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Herring Protectors host a virtual screening of Ya'a Wuni, Respect for All Things, and a panel discussion on how to write comments to the Board of Fish in support of Herring at 5.30 p.m. today on Facebook Live. For more information, follow the Herring Protectors on Facebook. For an event link, follow the community calendar posting. On Tuesday, November 16th at 5.30 p.m., Sitka Public Library will host a free Zoom event for all celebrating the release of Whispering Alaska by local author Brendan Jones and illustrated by Rebecca Polson. To register, email margo.oconnell at cityofsitka.org or call 907-747-4020. Sitka Tribe of Alaska's Kayani Commission holds its annual meeting at 6.30 p.m. today via Zoom. The election to fill three tribal citizen seats and one at-large seat are on the agenda. The public is invited. For more information regarding the meeting, email jeff.feldpausch at sitkatribe-nsn.gov or call 907-747-7469. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.